Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's very odd preaching two empty pews. Uh, I know Pastor Ben has gotten used to that over the last few weeks. I have not. I have learned how to sit in front of a computer <laughs> and uh, worship. Now, we all know that the, the church is a body of people, but how good it feels to actually be back in the building, even though it's a little empty. Um, I have actually had the privilege to be able to work remotely at home. Uh, I normally have a two-minute commute to work, which I thought was short, but it's a lot shorter walking down from my room to the computer. I will most certainly miss that. I cannot wait to get back in the office. I've been keeping up with some of y'all and some of our youth students and what we have been doing during this quarantine time. I have officially learned how to binge watch shows on Netflix and Hulu. I, yes, Amy and Pastor Ben are nodding their heads. I have made it through many shows. And so if you have any recommendations, I am very open to new ones uh, because I am quickly watching them all. I have also hopped on the tie-dye train. I don't know if any of you have done that. I did not use the colors, that's a little messy, but I figured I was old enough to play with bleach and did the reverse tie-dye. Turned out very cool, recommend it. If you have just clothes laying around and it kills an afternoon as well, if you have nothing else to do. So today we are going to be in first Peter chapter three, verses 13 to 22, and as you turn there, uh, if you know me or if you've been in youth group, I like to kind of give some context prior to uh, the reading. Uh, so First Peter is in the New Testament, so it is during, before, and after the life of Christ. As the title of the book suggests, uh, First Peter was written by Peter, who is a disciple and apostle of Christ. First Peter is a letter, otherwise known as an epistle, as my kids know. This was written to the Jews and Gentiles, presumably in Northern Asia Minor, and written approximately in A.D. 64. So if you have your Bibles with you, or as I'm sure Pastor Ben's going to put on the screen <laughs> for you to follow along, it might be slightly different. I read out of the NIV, um, but please... Read with us 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 to 22. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your heart set apart, Christ is Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ died for sins once and for all, the righteousness of the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive by the Spirit through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago and God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. 
In it, only a few people ate and all were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So I love history, and as I've delved more into studying the Bible, I have found it so much easier for me to understand what I'm reading with some historical context, along with, you know, where the book is located, who wrote the book, and everything. So little historical context before we really delve into this scripture. So during the time that Peter wrote this letter, Rome was under the reign of Nero. And toward the end of Nero's reign, he began to persecute Christians. As I was reading, some uh, old-time scholars from like AD 200 and so actually say that Nero was the first one to publicly persecute Christians and Jews during this time. So therefore, Peter was writing to the early church, encouraging them as they were starting to be persecuted and would be until the end of the reign of Nero. So what exactly is Peter saying in his letter to these Christians um, in, in this scripture that we are going to get into? In part of the letter, he's encouraging his fellow Christians of the early church, like he said, as they are being persecuted. He is telling them not to be afraid to continue to do good, to continue the spread of the kingdom of the word of Jesus, and to let Jesus remain as the most holy of holies. So a little bit of breakdown in our scripture. So verse 13, it says, Who is going to harm you even if you are eager to do good? Of course, the answer is no one. But it's hard for us to imagine that. You know, we live in this time, especially during this time, where there is so much fear, but nothing can harm us. If God is on our side, yes, our, us on earth may be harmed, but our souls, if we are trusting in God, no one can truly harm us, even if we are eager to do good. Verse 14, but even if, so there is no guarantee that we will or will not suffer. But even if, we should not fear. That's one of my favorite verses here. Do not fear what they fear and do not be frightened. People of the world fear the world. They fear the persecution. We, we have fear. We fear this virus. We fear what's going to happen. We fear death. We, we fear for our jobs and for our children. And I have friends that are teachers and they are fearing for, for what the future is going to hold. And of course, in our bodies, we have that fear. But here Peter is telling those, those Christians in the early church, do not fear what they fear and do not be frightened. And that is because we have Christ and we believe and we have hope. And so though we may fear, um, we know we shouldn't. And that sounds silly and a little contradictory. But in our heart of hearts, we know that Jesus has us, and he has our hope. And of course, we see fear 
So we should fear God and not the world and what's going on. And as a kid, I struggled with that. Well, what does it mean to fear God? As Peter says, do not fear what they fear. Well, we fear God as Christians not out of being terrified and scared. We are in awe of him, of his holiness. And that is the fear we have for him. We, we know that he is for us. If we stood in front of God, we would just bow down. And that is the type of fear we are talking about here and that Peter is referencing too. And also, if we flip back to John, the Gospel of John, um, a little further down from the reading that Pastor Ben had, Jesus also talks about, about fear as well in John 14, 27 to 29. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. 14, verse 27 is one of my favorite scriptures, for it says, Peace I leave with you, and do not let your hearts be troubled, do not be afraid. Jesus gives us a, a supernatural peace. The world gives us fear, and in Jesus we have peace, and we fear God in his supernatural ways that we will be protected. As we move on to verse, verse 15, it says, But in your heart set apart Christ is Lord. And Peter is telling them that, remember that, that Christ is the most holy. In our hearts, we don't just have a little compartment for Jesus, but our whole heart should be for him. We set him apart from everything else in our lives. So then there is no room for fear or doubt. Verse 15 continues, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So do this with gentleness and respect. I will always be an advocate for sharing our story and for sharing who God is for us and to not be afraid of the repercussions of that. And that's what Peter is telling them. Don't be afraid to do good. Don't be afraid to tell people about Jesus. Just don't be afraid to do it. Share your story. Share who Christ is. But as we read on, do it with gentleness and respect. And in verse 16, it continues, keeping a clear conscience that those who speak maliciously against your behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. When we share, we don't do it out of malicious intent for others. We don't do it to show, well, I have Christ, so I must be better than you. I'm going to heaven, you're not. That's not what we do, and that's not why we share Christ, and that's, that's not it at all. When we share him, we must do it in Christ-likeness. This is probably the biggest, truly, biggest, truly, <laughs> the biggest question. It's truly a what would Jesus do moment when we're sharing him. What would he do? And he would love them first, and he would share in love. And yes, he gives truth. He puts us in our place, but he does it in love. He does it with, like he, Peter is writing, with gentleness and respect and keeping that clear conscience. 
we are not here to, to put people down. We are here to build them up and to show them the hope that we have and we don't have fear. So those are the, the couple of verses that I'm going to focus on this morning. And as I was reading them, you know, the first thing, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? If, if you're in your Bible, the heading for this section is suffering for doing good. So what does doing good look like for us? And I really tried to think about that. And for them in the early church here in the New Testament, um, doing good acts of Christ, helping their neighbors, being a good Samaritan, it looks a little bit differently for us now. So is it opening doors for people? Could be. Um, Just thinking through this, you know, feeling the Holy Spirit, so apologize. <laughs> um, I have grown up in the age of seeing the internet evolve. And as I was preparing this sermon, all I can think about is how on social media, it's so easy to, to pretend to do good and to show off our goodness to the world. We can just post inspirational quotes all day long or a Bible scripture here and there and check off our do good for the day. Or we can, the videos I see sometimes, people filming themselves doing good for others. Look, I gave this homeless person a meal. But doesn't Jesus tell us to do those things in secret? So sometimes doing good for us nowadays just looks a little different. We always love to see good instead of the bad in the media. We, we praise those types of things, and we are always just... Oh, Pastor Ben, there's somebody at the door. So sorry, everybody. Welcome to live streaming. So, doing good, and, and we want to see the goodness in the world, and media can be so bad, and so we post these things, and we, we think, wow, this is, this is good. This is, this is what we're doing now. But what is doing good in our real lives? Peter is telling us, don't be afraid to do good, suffer for doing good. Well, are we suffering for doing good if we... We click copy, paste, and share an inspirational quote, or we decide to give somebody a water bottle and we film it and post it online. Is that truly doing good? Are we really putting ourselves out there to do good for Christ? Or are we too scared to actually do good in person? Or do we just prefer to do good for the recognition of it? We feel good when we post those things and people like them and people comment and we think, wow, I did something really great today. But is that really what Peter is talking about? Like I said, in our culture, we have a tendency to show our good deeds on social media, but we tend to hide behind the computer screen when we do those. So are we truly suffering for doing good? In 
And as I said, I'm always going to be an advocate for sharing our story. And as Peter says in verse 13, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. I love to share with people who Jesus is for me in my walk with Christ and to see who I was before and who I am now can be completely different. And that's because of the hope that I have in Christ. But truly, could we sit down one-on-one with someone and share our faith with them? Are we willing to open up ourselves and to be vulnerable? Do we have the tools to answer some of the hard questions? I'm taking a class currently. As most of you know, I am taking classes um, to go into full-time ministry and in preparation of ordination. And my current class is Foundation of Women's Ordination. And part of that class and part of one of my assignments was to interview local pastors of different denominations outside of our Wesleyan holiness tradition uh, to view, see what their denomination views in terms of women in ordination. And one of the pastors that I interviewed, their denomination does, does not support that. But he asked, how, what is the Nazarene's view on it? What does the Nazarene church believe? He's asking these hard questions, and I have to think, am I prepared to answer them? So are we prepared to give people the reason for our hope? Are we prepared to answer hard questions when people ask them? Like, why do we suffer? Why is there this virus? Why are these things happening? Are we prepared to give an answer? As I said earlier, are we willing to open up and be vulnerable, even if it's a safe space? Say it's someone we've known for years, but we know that they aren't a believer. Are we willing to sit down with them and share our own true story? Are we prepared to be vulnerable with them? Are we willing to share Jesus if someone is going to shut us down? As Peter has written, do not fear what they fear and do not be frightened. Are we just too afraid to do those things? When I prepare my sermons, the majority of the time I'm preaching to myself and I'm speaking from a place where I am currently. And so as I was writing this out, I kept thinking, well, what are we afraid of? Are we afraid to be who God made us to be? I am learning, and I spoke to somebody who does not believe it is biblical for me to be up here. And when I prepare these sermons, I become so afraid that I'm going to do something wrong and that I am going to speak the word of God wrong as Pastor Ben is smirking. (laughs) But if I don't do it, I am not being who God made me to be. Are we afraid of failing or falling flat on our faith? I am a perfectionist. Of course, I'm afraid of failing. Um, I prefer to have A's in my classes. I don't like to fail. But if I'm so afraid, am I even going to take the step out into the call that God has on my life? 
Are we afraid to throw away our past and our presence and allow the Holy Spirit to baptize us? When we step out, it's really scary. It's scary to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. It is scary to think about suffering for doing the work of Christ, and it is scary to think about sharing him. But what are we more afraid of? Why are we hiding behind screens? And why are we hiding in plain public, not sharing who we are and who Christ is? The early church at those times, those who Peter was writing to, were literally risking their lives to share their faith. They had such a deep faith in Christ that Peter told them that they are going to possibly suffer for doing good and that suffering meant death. He wrote a whole letter to encourage them through this time. Should we be doing that too, or are we too comfortable with our lives to take on the posture of the early church? As I'm doing my studies, I am learning about all of these men and women who worked together to further the mission of Christ. In our culture today, we have the the feminist movement, and we put down people of different races and genders and socioeconomic statuses, and, and then the early church, it didn't even matter. They didn't care. They wanted to see people saved. Most of the time, when uh, one of my favorite couples that's mentioned in Acts, um, Priscilla and Aquila, and most of the time, men's names come before their wives, husband and then wife. But in Acts, it's Priscilla and Aquila because the early church saw them as equals, as co-partners, people that are furthering the kingdom. And are we afraid to partner with other people? Are we afraid to show people who we are? As I was reading this, I'm just thinking, God, am I afraid? Am I afraid to step out in faith? Am I the one that if I feel your spirit prick at my heart when I'm walking down the street and someone needs to hear about you, am I too afraid to do that? When I know people in the early church that, the, that Peter was writing to would have done that. They would have faced persecution so that one more person could be saved. Am I willing to suffer for the good? Am I willing to suffer in your name? Am I willing to step out of my, my safe backs here? And am I willing to do your will? This morning as I was um, just kind of preparing myself uh, to give the message, I was listening to a Christian artist I recently heard of while I was listening to podcasts. Uh, her name is Casey J. And one of her songs is called If God. And in it, it says, If God be for me, who can be against me? If God is with me, whom shall I fear? If no one knows me still, his heart adores me. I am safe. I am loved. I am healed. If God is for us, who are we going to be afraid of? What are we afraid of for sharing our faith? What are we afraid of for doing good? Or are we just comfortable sitting behind the computer screens sharing inspirational quotes all day?
And that's one reason I am no longer on social media. Um, not only for the negativity that it can have, um, but because I found myself doing the same thing, hiding behind a screen and pretending, and instead of fully stepping into who God is and who I am in Christ. So I just want to leave you with that. Are you comfortable? Are you too comfortable to take on the posture of the early church? I think that's something that all of us can really think about, especially in this time of fear. Are we willing to step out with a mask on currently? Are we willing to share our faith with others? Are we willing to be vulnerable? Or are we afraid of suffering? And what is there to suffer that one more person could possibly enter the kingdom? Or they turn you down? You've planted a seed. What, how amazing is that? And down the line, someone else may help plant that seed, and that seed may grow. So are you afraid of planting that seed today? I sure hope that I am not. And I sure hope that you are not. Um, so that is my, my prayer for us today, that we step outside of our comfort zones. We be like the early church. We work together and not against. We're working for the kingdom and for Christ and for his glory. So there's nothing to fear. So I would like to pray for us today in closing. Dear Lord, we, we thank you always for the fellowship that we get to have together, whether it be right now in person with our families or through technology uh, during this time, which we thank you for. I just pray for us that we can take on the posture of the early church, that we not be afraid of suffering or possible persecution or possibly failing or what others may say about us that we step out and be who you made us to be, that we allow you to cleanse us from our past and our present, and that we look toward the hope of the future, and that we are not afraid to help others get to know you. And we are not afraid of being good. And that we show people who you are first and foremost. Just, Lord God, I can just feel you in this place. And I pray that everyone right now watching this can just feel you, God. That you are just cleansing us. And you are taking away that fear and replacing it with hope. And replacing it with the confidence in you that we so truly desire and we so truly need. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us that hope. Thank you for allowing us to know that you are never going to give us what the world gives. We are to live in the world, but we are not to be of it. That we can step out of our fear and doubt and into the faith and hope and love that you have. And that your one mission for us is to share that with others. So I pray that we are not afraid to share that hope. That we want everybody on that lifeboat for when you come home will come back and take us home. And 
that though we may suffer here on earth, we know that the glory of you and the glory of heaven is so much greater than any suffering that we endure here. Christ, just thank you for everything that you have given us. Please help us to be like those in the early church. In your name we pray.